Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? February 15th edition of the Fightful MMA podcast. Uh, It's been two weeks since this gentleman joined me. Uh, He's back. Uh, Sean Pearson, you can follow him online via social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Sean Pearson. Sean, what's going on, my man? Uh, Not too much. Just, uh, you know, day after Valentine's Day. So, you know, getting some uh, rest. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not following up with that other than saying, uh, did you enjoy the chocolates today? No, not much, not much chocolate. You know what I mean? I'm on my new diet. <laughs> what diet is that? I'm an athlete again. You're trying to be an athlete again? I spent the last couple of years getting fat. Now I'm going to try and be an athlete again. What does that mean, though? What does that entail? Like you actually start working out again or just training? What are you doing? No, I just men's league hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Canadian. I'm, I'm starting to train again a little bit. You know, not to obviously compete for anything, but just uh, to get back in shape and you know, just be a bit, you know, I want to be a strong role model for the kids. You know what I mean? So my boy's at that age now. He's like, hey, dad, I want to watch your podcast. I'm like, you can't do that yet, buddy. No, that, that's not going to happen. Not yeah, going to happen. It's too vulgar. You can't watch that. No way. Are you uh, are you doing uh, MMA stuff? Are you going back to doing some wrestling, boxing? What are you doing? I think I'll just start with a, a little bit of stand-up. Easiest way to edge my way back in. I've got a buddy who wants to start training again. So we'll go down and, you know, I'll start. I'll beat him up for a little bit because that's the best way to do it, right? Get a, get a punching bag. That'll be my buddy Brandon, and you know, work my way back into it. Oh, tall Brandon, big Brandon? No, no, Brandon. Well, he's a big guy. He's uh, probably like two twenty, but he's a little bit shorter than me. He trained at uh, Mata back in the day with us. Oh, okay, all right. Well, I mean, I don't even want to think about you getting back into training because I cannot see you deal with some of these twenty or twenty-five year olds that would put a bullseye on your back and be like, "Oh, that's Sean Pearson." All right, I'll spar with him. Well, they can deal with it. It's just my ego is going to get big too, and then I'm going to try and drop people. You know, it is what it is. All right, uh, a guy that you trained with on numerous occasions, especially in TriStar, George St. Pierre, making headlines today. Uh, the rumored return uh, looks like it's actually going to take place. But uh, I have spoken to a few people in that camp uh, to get some information um, regarding what is happening. From what I understand, the deal is not signed. Uh, it is technically imminent, uh, but the tone that I got, Sean, was nobody's holding their breath 
Uh, it's been going on for about six months and nothing, no pen to paper just yet. And no one's holding their breath, uh, despite the fact that it is probably getting close. I mean, have you heard anything or, or what are your thoughts? Um, no, I think it's real close. I think, you know, if the fact that it's one of those things where there's probably a verbal agreement in place, but then the contracts come out and then someone goes through those contracts with a fine tooth comb and there's, you know, the small little details. So to me, it sounds like we're 90% of the way there. And now we just got to work on, you know, making sure that all those details, you know, when the lawyers get involved, it's a little bit different. And at that level, right, with that kind of money, there's going to be some lawyers involved and they might find some wordage that, uh, you know, they might not like too much. I think that's what it comes down to right now. Again, I'm not in the camp. I don't know for sure, but, you know, I messaged George that I look forward to seeing him back. And he said, thanks. He didn't say, you know, nope, it's not true. It's not true. And you know, again, we all, you know, we all want to see what's best and George is good for the sport. So hopefully it comes to fruition. <laughs> It, you know, so when Elias comes on the show, Elias always brings up the whole ten million dollar thing. Ten million dollars. You think the UFC would pay George ten million dollars? I, I think they would. Like again, I'm not saying they'll pay him ten million dollars as far as here's a flat rate, but you give them, you know, a, a good a good sum of money to come back. You give them a good number on pay per view draws, and I think he's reaching ten million. Again, again, I don't. I, I wasn't in that predicament, so I don't know. But I mean. Maybe he's worth it. It, it. It's going to be an incentive on the numbers, right? So if he moves that needle, he needs a strong incentive to move that needle. And I think right now it's what the UFC needs. Oh, big time. Oh, my God. Big time. Uh, in terms of what's happening with their you know, their, their current roster and their stars pretty much nowhere to be found. Uh, George St. Pierre coming back. Now, before, before we get into potentially who he may face first, if he does come back, uh, there was a lot of discussion, uh, and I was asking a few people about this in the camp regarding the whole, you know, he, he's sponsored by Under Armour. He's a big, big product under Under Armour, and obviously in the UFC octagon, they wear Reebok. Um, and in, in speaking with some of the folks, um, I obviously can't give any names, but uh, it, it, was, it was explained to me the best way to think about it uh, is Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady is sponsored by Under Armour as well. But when he puts on the Patriots jersey, that's a Nike jersey. Uh, so it's fairly similar, not identical, but fairly similar in the fact that if George competes in the on, he will have to wear Reebok uh, and Under Armour. Not sure if they're cool with it, but they understand it. Uh, I don't know if any rewording had to be done on an existing contract with Under Armour, if any changes would have to be made. But in essence, it's just like Tom Brady, I was told. Outside of it, sponsored by whoever he wants to be sponsored by, Under Armour, blah, blah, blah. And if you go to the, to the Under Armour site, the very first thing you may find is Tom Brady. Uh, and, of course, when he competes, Patriots jersey is sponsored by Nike. So, you, I mean, that, that was one of the holdups to my understanding. Uh, and that, now it's, that's sort of getting ironed out. Um, your, your thoughts on that? Leaf scored. It's 4-1 now. But, um, no, I think that makes perfect sense. You heard me, right? Well, it was 4-1 when I came upstairs. Okay, I just my my on TV delay now. Okay, good time. <laughs> no, so I think you're right. You're very, you're very. You know, I think you're correct on in that statement there. No, I, where I find there's a little difference is, I believe in the UFC wordage. It's all pre-fight activities and post-fight activities. Anytime you're basically on camera, there, you're wearing um, Reebok, and I think that's more of where maybe there's some leeway there because that's where I find it. 100. When you're in the octagon, I got you. You've got to wear your Reebok. But if they're following George for the, the two or three days up to, you know, the fight, like they do a lot of times, like the weigh-ins and all these different things in the, what do you call it, the pre-fight, you know, like the, the presser and the, 
what's the word I'm looking for here? You know, when they we, we do our fake shadow boxing in uh, workout, the UFC workout. Yep. Post fight is that all Reebok as well? Because that's like a four day, five day Reebok thing. And then to top that all off, let's say they do another embedded. Does that mean Under Armour can't be in the embedded? I think that's where a lot of people don't realize if, if that's the case, then Under Armour's got a bigger problem. That's where I see it. I don't see Under Armour saying, "Oh, you can't wear your Reebok for the fifteen minute or your for the fifteen minutes in the cage," but it's for every embedded episode. It's for every, you know, all your pre-fight stuff, all your post-fight stuff. All of a sudden, it's not, oh, he just can't wear it for the fight. He's actually, he can't wear it for a lot of his training leading up to fights. And, again, it almost becomes a nuisance for George. You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, UFC's coming today to videotape this. I've got to put on my Reebok stuff. So, again, I think there's a lot of small details that have to work. And that was what I was told was a huge sticking point previously. And, again, that wasn't from George or anybody. I was just made aware that that's probably a huge sticking point. So I think a lot of those details or maybe some more flexibility has been given by both sides to try and make this contract work. Because I think it's best for both companies that George is back in the UFC. Obviously, for Under Armour, one of their star athletes is back competing again. And Reebok, you've got George. You know what I mean? So, again, it's best for both both companies, but they have to work out what, you know, a deal that works for everybody. That's a fantastic analogy. I, was, I mean, it, as you were trying to explain it, I'm like, oh, yeah, the embedded episodes because because the cameras, uh, I almost want to go back and take a look at a guy, for example, like Robbie Lawler, who's sponsored by Adidas, um, or he just he's a huge Adidas buff, but he's, he is sponsored, actually he's sponsored by Adidas, and I think so is Luke Rockhold, if I'm not mistaken, so I might go back and take a look at those um, embedded to see what they're wearing in between, because uh, are you actually, when you land and you are given that Reebok uh, duffel bag with all the stuff, is it Reebok 24-7, and or if it's not, you know, if I'm George, sorry, I'm wearing Under Armour the whole time until I have to A, weigh in, do the workouts, and compete in the octagon. Yeah, and that's where I think the flexibility had to be made, I'm, I'm assuming, or some compensation made you know, for George, because I'm sure George gets paid handsomely for the Under Armour deal. And if he's going to be cut out of Under Armour in almost every single appearance in the UFC he's got to make, I think Under Armour's got a problem with that. So that's where I think the negotiation had to take place. And hopefully everybody came to terms. Did you Were you still with the UFC when the Reebok deal came out? Well, technically, I'm still with the UFC now. I think I'm on their website, so I don't know how you want to play that. No, <laughs> my last fight, I was in uh, – that Reebok was just coming in. Do you have any UFC Reebok here? Nope. Would you nope. wear it? Not upset by it either. I was just going to say, would you wear it if you weren't uh, – you know I, I, you know what? It's, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, some of the stuff has grown on me. I mean, some of the shorts I could care less about, but some of the jackets do look kind of cool, and I don't mind the, when the champion, the black and the gold. I think it looks kind of cool, but has any of it grown on you at all? Not really, no. Just <laughs> – if you could get a sponsor right now, who would it be? It'd probably be Nike. Some of the shirts are ugly. Like, they're just terrible. But – Again, wearing a uniform to work, I feel that's what most of us got into our business not to do. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't the guys that wanted to be the social norms. But, again, I'm not saying the uniform is a bad idea. The shorts, maybe it's a little smarter, except I'm against the spandex stuff in in general. You know, I'm from the old school. Like, I wear baggy clothes. I don't know why people are wearing spandex. I don't need to see your junk when we're grappling. You know what I mean? It's rolling around with each other as it is. I don't need to see your junk in front of me. I don't know. Put the baggy basketball shorts back on. (laughs) I don't know. Everybody's got their own style. And that would have been my problem. I'd be like, okay, get me, uh, I want a size 40 waist shorts. <laughs> tie them up. So, you know what I mean? That's the look I want. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. I think I'm going back to one of your Vino fights uh, and thinking of those, those white shorts that you wore that were 
pink or, or completely red afterwards. Yeah. Uh, those were monsters. Red basketball shorts I had gotten from the Brock basketball team. And I was upset when they were gone. I think it wasn't for my first three fights or four fights. But um, they were red basketball shorts um, that the, our Brock basketball team used to wear. Because I used to go and shoot hoops with the team before, before practices. And uh, they'd give me honorary. Like I had a, a jersey, a pair of shorts. I, even in my first two fights, I think, or one of my first two fights when I fought Vigneault, when uh, one where I've got a picture with Ken Shamrock and another picture with uh, Vernon White and Tom Erickson all wearing the Brock basketball jersey. But I used to be – I loved the basketball gear was great. I loved it. For those who don't know, Brock is a university here uh, in Canada, in Ontario. Uh, and that's where you did most of your, uh, your wrestling training, to my understanding, right? Well, that's right. My university career was at Brock, so my university wrestling. But I started wrestling in grade four. So I had, you know, I'd done a lot of wrestling before I got to university. For those that don't know about your wrestling acumen, because it's it's very underappreciated and underrated, but you were you were a you know let's just say you were a badass, uh, and people were like, well, he's Canadian. Well, yeah, he was still a badass. He may not have been competing in the states, but he knew what he was doing. I competed throughout the states. I was a university national champion. I was senior national champion, Greco national champion. I think I got seventh at the World University Games. So I was competitive. I wrestled the New York State Fair. Like I wrestled a lot of the big tournaments in the U.S. as well. Um, wrestled in, you know, Tokyo, Cuba. So again, I, I was very competitive. Um, I don't know. It, it's funny because a lot of American wrestlers know the top Canadian wrestlers were very competitive with them. It's just the U.S. has got a, a stronger program, um, and it's based. It's basically based on numbers, right? It's the truth of the matter is we have you know a small, you know, subset of people that wrestle here in Canada, and in the U.S. we've got a, a much larger subset. So, one, you know. What is it? Steel sharpened steel, or you know, whatever you want to say it. So when you've got that many competitors out there, people are gonna, you know, tend to get better quicker. And then you've got a larger talent pool to pull from. But again, our our cream of the crop are still great wrestlers. Then Brock, SFU, Guelph, Montreal Wrestling Club. They all produce a lot of great wrestlers. You said you started competing when you were nine. Uh, you said grade four. Am I correct? So you're nine. Now, um, one of your sons is still about two or three years away from that. Uh, the other one is much further away from that. Uh, if they came to you and so said they want to wrestle today, because uh, I know they play hockey right now, or at least one plays hockey, Logan plays hockey? Yeah, one plays hockey and lacrosse. Um, the other one just started, he skates. He, he just started like playing hockey, but not on an official team. He just goes to like hockey training type thing. So, Okay, if they came to you and said, Daddy, we want to wrestle, we want to get into MMA, what do you tell them? Wrestling, I'm all over. I think it's one of the greatest sports. MMA, um, I would say I would let them do it. I would never not let them do it, but I definitely would not push for a career in mixed martial arts right now. Um, I don't think it's – I think mixed martial arts has to be in you. It has to be something you're passionate about. I find a lot of fighters nowadays, um, and I'm not necessarily saying in the UFC, but in general aren't truly fighters. They're athletes trying to make their way in this sport. And a lot of times you can tell because they don't want to engage in fights. They, they, point, they point fight. And I go, I, as a sport, I understand you can be successful like that, but you're not a fighter. And I'm not saying you have to be a fighter to be successful in this sport, but you know, I, I watch a lot of fights and get frustrated because two people aren't trying to compete against each other as in a fight. They're just trying to win on judges' scorecards. And I think that's why you go back to the old school you know, the Gracie philosophy and even, you know, grappling tries to look at that too, because grappling became so much of a sport that people aren't necessarily trying to win by submission anymore. So that's why you see these different versions of 
grappling tournaments where it's, you know, no longer points, it's submission only. Only because people, when there's a set of rules intact, people will always use the rules to the, the best of their advantage, right? They'll try and win by, you know, the, the rule set. And that's the, the nature of sport in general. When mixed martial arts, to me, you know, I, again, it's a sport. I'm not trying to say it's not, but it, it's meant as combat, you know, controlled combat. Um, so to me, when you're not really trying to compete in that sense, you're just trying to win by the judges' scorecards. You know, sometimes I find that difficult to watch because that's not what I love about the sport. I do love the technical battles, and I understand when in fights come to a draw or go to a decision, but I want to I, I want to assume that two people are both trying to win the whole time. They're looking for a spot to try and finish or compete, not necessarily jab and run or hold on. Um, yeah, I just find a lot of times people aren't true fighters. Again, they're athletes in a combat sport, but I don't necessarily consider them a fighter. So here I am. Um, when I watch the belts, male or female, you know, I give them the benefit of the doubt. But now you're the second fighter uh, that's told me this. Uh, Elias was the first one about two years ago, and then I asked him on the podcast the same question that I just asked you. Um, what is it that you guys notice? Because he he's told me he's texted me flat out saying this guy's not a fighter. This guy likes being a fighter. He likes the 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 bright lights and the headlines and blah blah. blah but he's not a fighter. This guy doesn't fight. Uh, what is it that you notice about certain fighters where you're like, no, this guy's not a fighter? Well, you know, they, again, I, I don't want to do this, but look at Elias' last fight. Do you know what I mean? Like that, to me, Elias is a, is a good athlete, but I don't know if he's necessarily, like, to me, Elias is a model, uh, a, a TV spokesperson. He's a very good athlete, and he competes well. Don't get me wrong. I'm, like, he's a competitive fighter, but his last fight didn't show me that he was a fighter. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't think he really wanted to fight Sam Alvey. He wanted to win on points. I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not, that's not even a slight, but that, that's just how it looks to me. And again, that's a style of fighting that a lot of people have, right? So again, that's just my perception of it. And don't get me wrong, it's not like my fighting style was ideal either. Like, I'm the type of person who I look up to certain, like my role models as athletes are always the opposite of me. I mean, like I would love to be Anderson Silva in there or, you know, this great finisher. Unfortunately, I don't have that striking skill set to finish guys like that. Although that's always what I want to do, but I don't have it. See, to me, I, I look at Elias as a fighter and, and the things I look up to Elias where I'm like, that, that is what I like is one um, cardio is amazing. But what I really appreciate with Elias's fighting style is his grind. I, I call it the grind. Like that, that to me is his number one asset with fighting is that he will go in there and he, like he'll go in on a double leg on somebody when 90% of fighters will give up on that double leg. He'll stay on it. I mean, like he, he's just like people will give up and he just, nope, nope, nope. And then eventually when you think it should be done, he gets the guy down. He breaks, he breaks you in the mind, you know what I mean, on the grind. He's, like, just constantly on it. Like, again, I've seen him in positions where I think most people would give up on that double leg and just start fighting again or whatever the move is. And he just keeps with it, grinding away and grinding away. And I, that, to me, is a difficult thing to do because, one, it's hard mentally. It's hard on the cardio. Most people mentally break at that point. So, to me, I look to Elias and his strongest asset is his ability to be mentally strong in these fights. 
you mentioned, you know, you, you wish you could have fought like Anderson Silva or finished off guys like Anderson Silva with that striking. Uh, his fight versus Derek Brunson, uh, it, 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 I think it officially proved to me uh, that, you know, now I believe he's 41. Uh, he still has it, but, man, the guy is sitting there in the clinch and the plum and he's eating uppercuts, and he just doesn't have that, that I don't know what it is anymore. Not that, it's just that, that matrix-like fighting. I mean, he was getting kind of, you know, almost funky in there doing what he, what he had to do, but, um, you know, Anderson's 41. You know, and he's going to continue fighting, and until he proves that he can't hang in there with the with the younger guys, I say let him fight. Uh, but eventually, Father Time might just you know kick him in the butt. I mean, what were your thoughts on the scrap? Well, a couple things. I go obviously the, the same thing that you just said there. Like he's forty one and no longer on the sauce, so that's you know, you know one thing. And everybody can say what they want, but at the end of the day, you look at him post you know two years ago and. Now he's got a, a dad bod. And I'm okay with that because he's still fought like Anderson Silva can fight. So many people said that, the dad bod. You're right. Yep. It is what it is. I go, let's, let's not be naive here. Again, I don't even like, I don't know. I came from the generation of these guys do what they want to do. I, I didn't do steroids, but I had the choice to do it. Like anybody can make the choice. And these guys come from a culture. And I say these guys, I mean, in Brazil, I was, you know, I'm told again, I might be wrong. I'm not from Brazil, but where steroids are a lot more common. They're a lot easier to obtain. It's part of the culture. I, I don't know if it's Brazil, but somewhere where you can buy them at like a pharmacy. I mean, and they grow up training like that. And again, I'm not here to say that Anderson was or wasn't on steroids. He was, but um, <laughs> no, I just found it apparent, but the skill was still there. I, I, I don't even know what the, the, go, the, the issue is. I think Brunson was like, you know, he feels he got robbed and I rewatched the fight again. And I'm like, I like Anderson, Here's always been me and uh, Sam Sakula were talking today, and he was talking to Claude Patrick. And again, the one thing I always say about a fight you put two people in a closed room, lock the door, one guy comes out. By the way, that fight, Anderson Silva comes out. He was the one who wanted to fight. He was following Brunson around everywhere. If someone wanted to fight there, it was him. So, again, that's what I, my whole thing about you know, two people have to fight to put on a good fight. And again, Brunson's amazing, he's a great fighter, but. He respected Anderson Silva's counterpunching a lot. And Silva would pressure, pressure, pressure and wait for Brunson to try and do something. And Brunson sometimes just wouldn't pull the trigger because thinking I'm going to get countered. But that gave us a lackluster fight in parts. There was moments that both of them did some cool things. But I felt the pressure and the striking. And I gave it to Anderson for sure. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even – 30-27 wasn't out of – range like like they thought like 29 28 is what i gave it but i wasn't I'm like oh 30 27 this guy's an idiot it wasn't that bad like i don't felt that brunson was aggressive enough to to win much there do you think i mean i, I hate to use the word you know awestruck or sort of like oh man i'm fighting anderson silva but do you think that played a little bit of the part in it because even just looking into his eyes uh as everything was being announced uh, when he was looking at anderson and as soon as they started or as soon as the referee you know basically called the action to commence Derek Brunson didn't look normal to me, man. He just did not look like the guy that was fighting Robert Whitaker, as an example, where it was just like, ref, get out of the way, uh, it's on. It was a different fighter. Well, I call bullshit. We can't look at somebody and decide whether they're on or off. You know what I mean? Like, is he, he could be more focused, less focused. The truth is he's fighting Anderson Silva, so it is in your head. You know, you don't get me wrong. That doesn't mean he's not – he hasn't been beaten before the fight. I don't believe that. But he's got to be a little more cautious. He knows Anderson Silva's striking capabilities, and he's got to be cautious of 
he's a big finisher, just like Robert Whitaker. Robert Whitaker's a you know a, a great striker, but maybe he saw something where if I go over aggressive against Whitaker, Whitaker's not as good of a counterpuncher. Maybe you know what I mean. A lot goes through everybody's head during these fights. I remember my fight against Jake Heck. You know, we're in the room beforehand, and he'd been talking about trying to knock me out. He's going to test my chin because Ellenberger had beaten me, you know, two fights previous. And then we're sitting there talking with RG and Sam, and I'm like, guys, I think he's going to try and take me down. And they both looked at me and they said, no chance, Sean. This guy's this guy's going to come try and take your head off. And, you know, I sort of was like, okay. And I remember we went in there, touched gloves, and I went for a big hook, going, okay, if we're going to bang, what do you do? He shot. Shot a double leg, took me down. And I was like, okay, you know, and then one it was actually good for me because it made me, I got up and then it just made me realize that I have to trust my instincts. I mean, not that I don't trust my, my coaches and stuff, but at the end of the day, it all comes down to you, right? What does my instinct tell me about this? And I just remember thinking, I'm like, why would you go out and tell every media source that you want to take my head off when that, that's assumed? Well, when you fight, it's assumed you're trying to take my head off. So I just felt like I shouldn't have been listening to that stuff and just, you know, went out there normally. What about that main event between uh, GDR, Jermaine Durandamy, and Holly Holm? I mean, Holly Holm was on top of the world, taking out um, Ronda Rousey, and now she's lost three in a row. Very controversial, especially with the punches after the horn uh, by GDR. Uh, Holly Holm's camp now are basically going to um, you know, appeal the fight. I, I don't think they're going to get anywhere. I mean, history has shown that it's extremely rare when a commission does anything but make something into a no contest or change it. Um, I mean, your take on that main event, because I don't think, you know, Durandamy has made any fans, any friends based on A, what happened in there, B, her post-fight interview saying that she's injured, her hand's done. You know, now you're not fighting Cyborg, but we don't know what's happening with Cyborg. That division, to me, is just like, oh my God, what's going on here? Uh, your take on that main event and, and everything going down with that division. I can't even get over your calling that the main event. You look at who fought on that card, and you're going to tell me that's the main event? The last bout on the pay-per-view, Sean. Okay, you can say the last bout on the pay-per-view, you know, like Bellator does. Maybe they put their main events before that, but that's not a main event fight. I saw people walking out of the bar. Like, come on, and I can't blame it. It wasn't the greatest fight in the world. I had home win that fight. I watched it. I had to watch it twice because the first time I watched it, I wasn't overly, you know, into it. But I knew I was going to have to talk about it with you because you're huge into women's fighting. So I'm like, okay, I'll rewatch this. <laughs> what do you want me to do? <laughs> well, buddy, you, you get more hyped about the women's fighting than the men fighting. I'm like, come on, man. It's like, again, yeah, they're quality fighters. But that fight wasn't, I, I don't know. There wasn't much. I, I had home winning that fight. The, the, that blow at the, after the, after the um, second round should have been a point taken away. Take that point away. It's definitely a home win. Um, and it wasn't like it was a, a glancing blow. She rocked her. She looked like she lost her legs after that punch. The referee made a huge mistake there. And then I don't know if the judges can overrule the referee, but something should have been done right there. Home should have been given extra time to recover, even though she came out. But that was way uncalled for. Um, I don't believe that it was in the moment either. To me, it looked like two point, one punch was on the buzzer slightly after. I'll let her get away with it. And then the next the one, I think it was a right hand that hit her on the chin. That's a fight-changing type punch. So, but I, I still had home win, winning that fight. But the truth is, I think it was the first round and the third round were both boring as shit. So, I don't know who won those rounds. Like, I had, uh, what's your name, win the second round. I had home with the fourth and the fifth round, possibly the third. But the first round wasn't like a, I mean, it wasn't like a drastic either way. I, I think there should be more 10-10 rounds or 9-9 rounds, however they want to call it. 
because in a fight like that, I, there's no clear winner in that fight. Um, the fans lost or I lost. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I, I had to watch it twice, so I probably lost on that one. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just taking notes here, never to mention uh, an Invicta FC card to Sean Pearson because he'd probably lose his marbles. And... When, when Watterson fights, I'll watch. <laughs> I'm going to get a goal with everyone. I know exactly why. We're not going to say anything. Yeah. I like, I like that girl. Uh, I wonder what there was a, a – again, this sounds terrible because I'm bad with names, period, so it's going to sound worse because it's two girls that fought. But was, was there two girls earlier in that night or was that the, the card previously? Previously. What, what, who was it that fought in that card? Uh, well, you had Beck, uh, Beck Rawlings against uh, Tisha Torres. No, it wasn't that one. It was one where the girl was an underdog, but she took a beating. Like, she had a great chin, and she made a really good fight of it. Uh, let me think here. Well, there was Felice Herrig against Alexa Grasso. Is that the one? Mm, Jessica not- John and Angela Hill. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. That's it. Yeah. That's it right there. That fight was entertaining for me. You know, I didn't know either girl really, but that I was entertained by it. Like one girl, she's got a chin, but she put up a fight. Now, technically it was free. I enjoyed watching that fight. You're so violent, Sean. I Come like on, man. fights generally, except for the mismatches, which most of them were. Um, Paige is cute, so I'll watch her fight. Um, listen, the UFC knows it, so let's not pretend like I'm saying something wrong here. You can see who the UFC wants to promote. So I've done nothing wrong here except call it out. You mean some of these girls, they're, they're good looking girls and tennis is done right by it. Golf is done right by it. Beach volleyball is done really right by it, especially the Brazilian teams. So let's not pretend it's not what's being done here. Who's the most marketable girls. Let's see if they can, you know, let's see if we can, again, you can't make a girl win, but let's put them in the spotlight and put them in the best position possible to win and build a division. Rousey was ideal for it. They did it for Paige Van Zandt. um, Hasn't completely done, but she's been doing very well and good athlete as well. Um, And then is she fight? Who's fighting um, Watterson next? Misha Tate's a good looking girl too. Like they try and they try and work off that. And I get it. You know what I mean? And I think even on the men's side, they do do similar. They have got guys that are more marketable than others. Like, this will roll right into the, you know, I know we, we, we're going to talk about Misha a little bit, but this rolls into that, too. Why are you shaking your head? Like, <laughs> oh, I was just, I... this is not a true sport anymore, and it is what it is. That, you know, I mean, let's, if you're Listen, good... I'm, 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 I'm just going to, you know, you know me, I'm going to be careful with what I say, but I'm not going to lie to you. When, when I was over at Sportsnet, I did pitch them the idea, look, if you guys ever need me to cover women's beach volleyball, I'm in. Like I'm totally in. Be professional. Be political about it. Now I could. I've got you probably to back me up. And what's that? No, I don't want to talk to you though. <laughs> These girls want to engage with us, right? <laughs> you take your shirt off. You know what I mean? Getting the getting the scene with the beach volleyball. Like that's what this is about. It's like, it's like going to Rebel downtown. Um, people that don't know, that's like our 
like a cabana, like it's our our beach club. You know what I mean? Like if you look there, it's phenomenal. It's, it's just all women, fitness girls, bikinis. It's phenomenal. All athletes, but it's a it's a fashion show. So you're saying I've got no shot? I should never take my shirt off when I go there. Not in public, Joe. You know. <laughs> 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 uh, ladies and gentlemen, for the record, I've never liked Sean Pearson. I just want—I want to make that public right there. I've never liked the guy because this is all he does to me. So just work off your personality. You've got a great personality. That's what people <laughs> want. They want the nice guy, and you're that guy. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna—I'm gonna just let, let it go right there. Uh, do you want to talk about anything else on that card? Jacare Souza's performance at all? Or do you want to move on to other topics? Another—that's another main event you had. So you had Anderson Silva and Jacare. There's your main event right there. Do you think they should fight next, or just Ronaldo should just you know stay put and see what's going on? Fight next. What? Just me being personally like, I would like that fight because I sometimes find that the Brazilian guys don't like to fight each other. So to me, it's it's interesting because I know Anderson Silva before. Who who was it that he fought? It was a very boring fight. It was when he was being criticized. It might have been in Abu Dhabi. Uh, Damian Maya and Thales Leites were the two. One of the two where, you know, he said, I don't want to fight Brazilians. He's not out there to hurt, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's just an interesting sidebar, but Jacare deserves a title shot. So, as much as I can say I'd like to see him fight Anderson Silva, I understand if he wants to wait for a title shot because he deserves it. I think he's the next in line and nothing should interrupt that. Unless Conor McGregor wants to fight at 185, then he gets <laughs> what, what, what are you saying? Yuel Romero did defeat Jacare, and he's next in line. Uh, yeah, you think- he's getting the next title shot. So that's our, I thought that was already solidified. So, I mean, the winner of that fight should fight Jacare, is my thought. Uh, do you think Romero's a badass and pure gangster for putting up a GoFundMe account for Michael Bisping's uh, medical bills? Because awesome. I don't. Here's another thing. So a lot of people have put hate on for Yuel Romero, calling him a cheat, this and that. But... I don't, I don't want to call – I don't want to pull out a race card here because I don't think it's racism, but a lot of other guys do the same stuff or similar stuff, but they don't get criticized as much. And I don't know why. Again, rules are rules, and he utilizes the rules to his advantage. Like, I can't blame – like, to me, the fact that he stood out on the stool a little bit longer, referee's fault. I don't know. <laughs> you guys can all complain. And then if you looked at the, the video, I believe Tim Kennedy was holding his glove. So he's a cheat too. Do you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, we're all just trying to compete here. And I can't – him getting an extra 10 seconds there was, okay, cool, but where's Tim Kennedy's? He deserved an extra five minutes. It's like a kick in the balls. You held my gloves and punched me in the face so I couldn't get away. So I'm like, I think he's, he gets the, the short end of the stick there. Um, he's not likable by some people, but at the end of the day, I feel, you know, he, he's out there competing in I – don't, I don't know what other rules everybody thinks he's been breaking, but – He's a great competitor, and hey, hey I, I'll cheer for him any day. I think he's a great athlete, and don't get me wrong. When he gets popped for steroids, you know, in a couple of fights from now, I'm not going to be shocked either, but at the end of the day, <laughs> oh. he's a great competitor in there. Maybe maybe he's got some, you know, he, he's got a, uh, what do you call it, a penile dysfunction, and he's got to do, you know, take some crazy medications like everybody else. I don't know. Some estrogen blockers? Yeah, exactly, but. I mean, that's normal stuff now, right? What do you got? John Jones. I think he got something. Like, And everybody's got an excuse. Brock Lesnar, who I wonder, you know, you're segueing perfectly for me for Brock Lesnar, who was, I'm waiting for your comment on this. He informed the UFC. What, what's that? He retired. Come on, you weren't coming back anyways, buddy. 
Did you not find it funny though? He informs the UFC and USADA that, yeah, I'm done. I'm good. See ya. But didn't we think he was done after he tested positive anyways? What did he get? He get a two-year ban, a one-year ban? After they already let him into – again, this goes back to Mark Hunt's point. Like, you guys knew he was going to test positive. That's why you gave him the exemption, just to sell tickets. You knew he tested positive before the event but couldn't afford to cancel the event, so you let him fight Mark Hunt on something. Listen, it's all about money. How can we make more money? So – the conversation we've been having all week is how can we make more money if you're the UFC? That smells, and people were joking about this after after Saturday's event, but people are saying Anderson Silva, Michael Bisping too, could probably happen before Bisping versus uh, Romero. Uh, th- that wouldn't surprise me, Sean. Yeah, but for what? Bisping wants it because it's an easier fight than Romero. Right? Anderson will take it because it's a payday. He doesn't care. I mean, like, and again, it's a winnable fight for him too. But it's not his fight. Like, I that's where the UFC is making mistakes. Like, I understand you want to push some more marketable guys, but like you just said, Romero's trying. I mean, even with the little barrier, that GoFundMe account was awesome. You start talking for a second, Joe. I'm just going to pull my mic out here and try and put it back in. It's caused me yeah, some... no problem. So, I mean, the the one thing that people oh, have been joking around about is the actual fact that this might actually happen because of all you know. The UFC goes and cuts 30 fighters. Uh, they're obviously you know they cut so much staff when the new ownership comes in, which is normal. That's just they they go after and they look at a redundant jobs and then b well we've already got our peeps that do this so. Goodbye, Dave Schaller and all these other people that the UFC doesn't. I know Dave says he resigned and stuff like that, but it was just something coming down the pipe, in my opinion. But the UFC's, the, the, the new owners are like, we've got to start making some more money here. Like, what's happening? And all their stars are gone. So if we're going to have to start making more money, we've got to put on fights that are going to make more money, that are going to sell more pay-per-views or draw larger ratings on Fox so they can get more sponsorship dollars. Uh, and Bisping versus Romero will probably be paling in comparison uh, to Anderson Silva versus Michael Bisping again. And and Sean Ross Sapp joked saying, dude, don't be surprised if soon we are talking about Anderson Silva as the middleweight champion of the world. No, I wonder what. That'll be the UFC's mistake then. The new owners haven't figured it out yet because they should already be marketing this fight. I think you've got a fight you can market right now. I don't know why you're not all over it. You know what I mean? Like, you've got a, you know, you got Bisping who can market any, you can play the bad guy with anybody. Okay. He's one of the most hated guys around and liked at the same time. So I think he's a, a, a marketable guy there. And now you, you've got your boy here who, who started a GoFundMe account. You know, you just got to market this. You've got to put them in front of the camera. You got to force it a little bit, but I think it, it can happen. I think Bisping knows how to sort of go with this and, and make it work. It's just whether he wants to or not. You're, you need two dance partners, right? So, and that, that's the whole problem that McGregor had now. McGregor just figured out how to do it by himself. He's like, fuck it. I don't need you guys. I'll market this for you. And then, you know, it's red panty night for everybody. <laughs> um, the ultimate fighter cast was revealed. Do you care? Not a chance. I haven't cared since like Ultimate Fighter three. That is that show done in your eyes? Like completely just done, like it's been done for like five years, six years. The fact that everybody on the show sucks and you bring these fighters and everybody gets into the UFC is just embarrassing. And again, I'm not I don't mean to like I'm over exemplifying that everybody sucks, but it's just too often where fighters that don't belong, they're just easy fights for other fighters. You know what I mean? And Again, and this is just a pure rumor, but I heard if you win the, the Ultimate Fighter, you get to pick like your next four fights. 
you let me pick four fights when I win the Ultimate Fighter. I'm I'm now five and zero in the UFC, and if you're not, that's embarrassing. I mean, if you get to handpick your opponents, and again, that's rumors that I've heard, but it, I don't know. Elias won, so I'll ask him. It might not be completely true. That's just what I was told. Interesting. Uh, one of our boys, Misha Sirkinov, uh, Dana White says Misha Sirkinov is done with the U saying he flaked out uh, during contract negotiations or renegotiations, and he says he's not coming back to the UFC. Have you heard anything regarding that? Not really, no, but every time Dana White says something like that, hold it to a grain of salt, right? Like Tito Ortiz is never going to fight again, and he'll never be in the UFC, or Randy Couture can't do this, can't do that. At the end of the day, Dana White's a very emotional guy, and a lot of successful people are very emotional, so he's going to speak you know, on how, how he feels in that time. But he's also a very smart businessman where if Misha could actually present a case where, you know, he could come back and make the UFC money, like, you know, let's say Misha goes to Bellator now and wins the title and then ends his contract there. I'll never say never to come back. You know what I mean? What it sounds like to me, and again, I don't know, I don't talk to Misha, but, um, you know, I haven't talked to Misha in a long time, is he he played a chip. Like he, he put his chips on the table of what he wants and what he thinks he deserves and Perhaps Dana White said, mm, not even close. And, you know, the way I look at it, so if I, you know, if Dana White offers me 40 grand to fight and I come back with, I need 2 million. And again, I don't know what they did, but there's no middle ground there. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, 40 million is what you're getting. And I'm asking for 2 million. It's like, okay, go, go fuck yourself. Like, get out of here. You're wasting my time. But again, I don't know how their negotiations, why not? I don't know who was negotiating on Misha's behalf. Um, but obviously someone didn't know what his value was to the UFC or they overplayed their cards. So hopefully Misha can find that success or that value that he's looking for in another organization. Speaking of Bellator, uh, Fader Milenenko's back this weekend. He's taking on Matt Mitrione. Uh, it's not a bad card, the main card, but uh, are you interested in watching that fight? I'll watch it a couple of days later, maybe for free somewhere. I've, I've never been a big fan of oh, – I've been a huge fan of Fader. I've not been a big fan of Fedor since he turned 50. Um, and then Matt Mitrione is, you know, a big football player that he hits hard. He's a good athlete, but again, I'm not super stoked to see him fight all the time. But so again, the fight, if someone tells me it's a great fight, I'll definitely go watch it, but I'm not going to sit at home and throw it on the TV. Fair enough. We have about five minutes to go here. I want to talk about this uh, UFC Halifax card. Uh, it is in Canada. Uh, neither you or myself are going out there, so we'll have to watch it uh, on the old television network. Uh, Eamon Zahabi uh, is making his Octagon debut. Um, you know Eamon. I know Eamon. Uh, what kind of pressure is he under, obviously, having that Zahabi last name, or does he even care? Like, dude, I just, I'm just going to fight. I, I don't think he cares. I, again, at the end of the day, there's pressure on everybody who gets to the UFC, uh, but it's what you put on yourself. I don't think he thinks that he has to represent in a certain way. He wants to be successful because he, as an athlete, wants to be successful. So I don't think it's a different pressure than any other guy who's in there putting their their career and, you know, I don't want to say life, but, you know, putting everything on the line for a win and success. So I think he's got the same pressure as anybody else, and he's prepared himself very well. He was brought up slowly and surely, and, you know, I think he's put himself in a good position to succeed in the UFC. We'll see what happens now. Yeah, he's fighting a tough guy in uh, Reginaldo Vieira. We'll see how that goes. Uh, the main card has Alex Ricci uh, taking on Paul Felder. Uh, not an easy fight uh, for Canadian Alex Ricci. Uh, but, I mean, if you look at the way Styles make fights, this is going to be a stand-up battle for 15 minutes, in my opinion. 
this is hard for me. Like Alex is an Ontario boy, but I, I don't see this fight getting out of the second round. Um, unless he's going for takedowns again, he, I know he's great striking background, but I don't see him competing with Paul Felder on the feet, but again, let him go in there and surprise me, and I'll be more than happy to eat my words on that one. Sarah McMahon, a lot of pressure on her taking on uh, Gina Mazzani, who not many people know who I Gina know really is. Already, so just go to the next one. <laughs> Elias Teodoro taking on Cesar Ferreira, two Ultimate Fighter winners, a Canadian Ultimate Fighter winner, a Brazilian Ultimate Fighter winner. Uh, middleweight scrap here. What do you got in this one? I don't know enough about the guy that, and I, I went and I, I Googled him a little bit, the guy that Elias is fighting. Um, I'll, I'll go with Elias just based on the fact that he trains at the same camp I'm out of. Um, we've trained together. Um, again, I, this will come down to, so it looks like the guy's been knocked out a few times. I saw I saw that, although Elias isn't a big hitter. He's, he's one of those guys who will get his hands on you, but he's sort of a, he's a grinder, and I think he'll be looking to break this guy. Yeah. So I, I look at Elias winning by decision. But uh, I think he's going to break him mentally. And, you know, if he stops him, it'll be more of a stoppage by a ground and pound than it will be by a stand-up striking. That, that's my thoughts. You know, but if Elias goes in there and drops the guy, I'm more than happy. But I see him more grinding this guy out into a position where he's given up and Elias can sort of get the ground and pound victory. Uh, Sam Cecilia taking on Gavin Tucker. Move on, or, or you want to talk about that? I, I don't know enough about either guy. I don't want to insult them or anything. I, I just don't know them. All right, co-main event, middleweight fight between two guys that used to be welterweights uh, from your division. Johnny Hendricks, the former champion in the UFC, taking on Hector Lombard. What do you see happening here? I don't know. It's, it's weird because you'd think, you know, with, you know, with less steroids, they're both at a heavier weight class. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Um, no, I'm just sort of, sort of joking on that one. But I see Hector Lombard probably winning this fight. And I think Johnny Hendricks is very capable of winning the fight. But the problem's been, I think he's changed camps too much. I don't know if he's got the right people around him anymore. I knew he used to have a great grappling coach with Mark Lehman, and he had a great camp there. I don't believe they're involved anymore in his training, um, which would worry me from you know a, a certain standpoint. Um, and if he stands up thinking that he's a huge striker, which he hasn't been in the last you know last few fights, he hasn't had that knockout power. I think Hector, you know, will eventually touch him and hurt him and go from there. Like. I don't see Hector Lombard running through him by any means. I just see Hector sort of causing a lot of problems for him unless Johnny wants to try and make this a wrestling match. Uh, Derek Lewis in the main event taking on Travis Brown, who's also left a camp that many people uh, aren't fans of. Uh, Obviously, um, I I don't like talking about it too much, obviously with uh, Ronda Rousey and the whole relationship there. But uh, Travis decided, you know what, I'm not training with Edmund anymore. Nope, I'm I'm leaving. He left, and uh, this will be almost a version 3.0 of Travis Brown and Derek Lewis. What do you see happening in this main event? I don't know. They're heavyweights. Anybody can win. You know, whoever lays their hands on the other guy clean is is going down. Like they're both. You know, I, I would want to say that Travis Brown is is I favor in that fight, but at the end of the day, again, with two big men like that, you know, lay their hands on you, the first slip up you know, usually causes a, an end to a fight. And if it's not ended in the first round, they're just going to sweat their ways and slide around to the decision at the end. All right. Well, we touched on a whole bunch of stuff tonight. Anything you want to talk about uh, before we wrap things up? I don't know. What else did you have on that uh, that text message to me? Did we miss anything? We had to. Let's see here. Let me see here. Let me see. I'm just going to keep talking so you guys don't have to look at Joe. So bear with me a second, guys. I know the cameras flip whenever he starts talking, and that's unfortunate. Joe, is there any way that people could actually just make it so it's it's set on me and it doesn't go back to you? And I, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just think a lot of people would like it a lot better. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll arrange that for the next podcast. <laughs> okay. Tyrone Woodley's a drama queen. Um, Holly Holm appeals lost. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, cast revealed. Is there anybody that I would know in that cast? Uh, Joe Daddy Stevenson, uh, Eddie Gordon. How old is Joe Daddy Stevenson? Is <laughs> he <laughs> like my age? What's wrong with that guy? Who was the next one? Sorry. All the best to him. I want the old guys to win. Don't get me wrong. It makes me feel good about myself. But how old like, how old's Joe Daddy? He's got to be in his, uh, his 30s, mid-30s. Mid? Okay. Um, who else is on? And didn't Joe Daddy already win an Ultimate Fighter? Yeah, so they're bringing back winners uh, and finalists from previous shows. That's oh, that's pretty premise. cool. Okay, okay. Give me some more of these names. Uh, well, there's current fighter James Krause, who's actually on the UFC roster. He's competing on the show as well. So that's kind of weird. Well, he just probably wants uh, more attention, right? Like that. That's the one thing where I think these fighters have to figure it out. And that's another thing that I'd tell Misha if I was Misha. Right now, with this, with him being cut, make it a thing. Put it out there. Talk about it. Get yourself in the media. Like, you're cut. Who cares? Or you're not cut, but you don't have a new contract. Be vocal about it. Go talk about it. Make people think, oh, why is this guy cut? Why He's on a four-fight win streak, and no one knows who the fuck he is. You know, as Canadians do, as Toronto boys do, but he's not vocal. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, have your girlfriend. Everybody wants to She's a good-looking girl. Get her up in there. Do, do something. But make people talk about the fact that right now you don't have a contract. It's going to get you better, you know, a, Again, better visibility with Bellator and anybody else you might want to negotiate. And then, you know, only good things can happen from it. So that's my advice to Misha if he watches these things. But get vocal about this. Um, what else? Oh, so give me some more Ultimate Fighter Task guys. Sorry. So, but Joe Daddy could be a, a two-time winner. That, that's interesting. I'll never watch it, but it's, it's cool. <laughs> You'll never watch this for real? <laughs> no, of course not. These guys are all like, yeah, give me – Come up with another good name, and we'll see. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm just gonna I'm gonna pull it up right now here. Off the top of my head, uh, Joe Daddy was the one that came out the most. Uh, Eddie Gordon's I know is a former winner as well. Uh, Gordon, uh, what does that tell you? He's a winner. We don't know who the fuck he is. Like, come on. Uh, Seth Bozinski. Hey, uh, he was actually a welterweight, right? He was a uh, pretty. He was pretty good. He actually. I think he lost or beat Lance Benoist before I fought him because that, I remember watching him fight Lance Benoist. He's a big welterweight too, a big guy. He might have fought on one of the same cards I did. So I, I know exactly who he is. That's my interesting story. I know who he is. <laughs> I didn't know he was ever on the ultimate fighter though, but okay. Mehdi Baghdad? Who? Justin Edwards? I've heard that name before, but that might just because the name is Justin and Edwards are both common names, but I think I've heard of him. <laughs> Again, I think I've heard of him, but I don't know. Tom Galicchio? No. Are these all weights uh, or what we call Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hater Hassan? No, but cool name. <laughs> Hater. Julian, Hater. Julian Lane? No, it sounds like a hockey player, though. Okay. Uh, Titan fighting champion. Um, there goes another one of our champions. Uh, welterweight champ Diego Lima is now gone from Titan. He's on the show again. Okay. Uh, Ramsey Nijem? I, I reckon I think I've seen that guy fight before. I don't Ramsey. I, I recognize that name. What's uh, his brother's name? What's that? What's Lima's brother's name? He's got a brother too. Doesn't Douglas. He? Where's he now? Bellator. And where was Diego? Was he at Bellator as well or no? Uh, I don't know if Diego was at Bellator, but he came. Um... He went through the Ultimate Fighter, got on the show, then he then came to Titan, and then went back to the Ultimate Fighter. Titan. Okay. Uh, Gilbert Smith. 
Nope. Uh, Jesse Taylor. Yes, I remember him. He was a big dude. Did he not fight at 185 on uh, the Ultimate Fighter one year? Uh, I think he fought in a bunch of Canadian cards. That's why I know him. I don't actually know him from the UFC, but I think he fought in a bunch of the Canadian cards out west. And he fought on the Ultimate Fighter 7. Uh, and he was actually in the tournament, the Battlegrounds tournament that I was at, that I called. Uh, and that was at Welterweight as well. Yeah. So. I think he fought in Edmonton or in somewhere over there, though. He's fought on a couple of those cards. All right. And the last one I have here is Hector Urbina. All right, you want to you want to get Jacek taking on Jessica Andrade, who you were impressed with uh, in her fight. Uh, that's a title fight taking place at UFC 211. Who's the main event? For now, I'm assuming that's the main event. <laughs> You're so cute. Come on, who's the main event? I don't know, dude. I haven't even checked. I don't know. I think that's the well, main no, event. They're, to be they're, trying, they're trying to get it so they don't have to give pay per view draws to people. You know what I mean? Because you know that those two girls aren't getting any pay per view points. What about UFC 212 with uh, Jose Aldo Jr. and Max Holloway? That's cool. I'll watch that fight. That's an interesting fight. Um, Holloway's impressed me. Like I remember when he first lost to uh, McGregor, I thought, oh, this guy's not that good. And Ever since that fight, like he got my attention that fight. And since then, I'm like, this guy's a killer. I, he's real ruthless. Relentless. I like him. That's pretty much the list I have there, other than the article that I wrote, which guaranteed you did not read because you could care less about anything that I do. Uh, that's it. What was the article you wrote? Uh, is MMA going in the wrong direction? Actually, I took a quick look at it, and I'm like, I don't, I don't even understand it. How would even going in the wrong direction? We've already decided that this is sport entertainment now. It was more like, is UFC going in the wrong direction? Is what the article should have been from what I read. Is that correct? No, it's it was focused a lot on Bellator and what's happening with Viacom. And, yeah. yeah, the the quote unquote Viacom money isn't real, uh, considering all the problems that are that they're having, as well as the parent company for Viacom. They're going through some financial issues. Viacom has a new CEO, uh, and they're looking at changing the way Spike TV. They're changing it to Paramount. Uh, they might, you know, they're talking about a whole. Sp- not even having a sports division, that property could be gone. Bellator could be gone. Do they sell it to Scott Coker? Does Scott Coker move it? ESPN could get involved. There's a whole bunch of, you know, moving parts that that could be pretty bad for MMA if they don't all fall into place. Or does the UFC just slap their asses off again and take all the Bellator staff back at half their price? Potential. That's a potential. I hope Rory goes out there and gets that money quick. That's an interesting fight. You didn't mention that fight today. Rory McDonald versus... uh, Paul Daly. I liked when I saw that one. It gave me a smile. I want to see Rory, see if he can put a beating on that boy. Do you think that fight goes uh, full distance, or do you think Rory's just going to finish him off? I, I think Rory can finish that fight off. I know Daly's very dangerous, but you know I remember the Josh Koscheck, which caused all this controversy. Well, I'll tell you what, Rory would have put an absolute beating on Josh Koscheck. So, and again, they've both grown a lot since those days, but I think Rory's very underrated when it comes to striking. There you go. That's it for me, man. What, what do you got? I'm good. What's the score in the Leaf game? I don't know. There's a commercial on now. You've distracted me. I already <laughs> know we're losing this game, but I'm just hoping that uh, my our rookies can pick up some points. Yeah, let's no points tonight. Out. They got no points? I don't think so. I think it was, well, it was 4-1 when we started this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, you're talking to two Toronto Maple Leaf fans here, listening to two Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Coming off a 7-1 victory last night against the Islanders. Tonight, uh, not so good when we started this podcast. It was 4-1. to I'll tell you right now. Hold on, Joe. Five two finish. Who got my points? Who got my points? Let's see. Well, we didn't get any of the three stars. That's obvious. Um, fantasy. Kadri got two. No, they're not. On my, he's not on my fantasy squad. But you know, 
I, I just like to see what the, our rookies, our three rookies, just tearing it up. Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. That's it. All right. Anything else, son? Son, listen, Joe, you do look old enough to be my father, but don't call me son. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him online anytime, social media-wise, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Sean Pearson. You can follow yours truly, at Showdown Joe. I'm going to click stop broadcast, but he's going to end up talking, so go ahead, Sean. No, no, we're good, buddy. We'll talk later. Talk later. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, Frank Trigg will be joining me, 12.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we'll get Trigg's thoughts on uh, pretty much everything that Sean Pearson said and guarantee you that... It's just going to be another one of those shows. It's just going to be a disaster for me, but great for my co-host. But uh, thank you to all those that actually tuned in live and uh, to those tuning in afterwards on iTunes and on Stitcher. We thank you as well. Don't forget Fightful MMA uh, for all your mixed martial arts news. Follow Sean Pearson at Sean Pearson. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. Thanks a lot, guys. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.